the prophet Isaiah, God speaks through him of his plan to rescue and redeem his people. And he, he, he speaks of the characteristics, and you heard Pastor Mike mention it so wonderful. He says this, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I'm so, so thankful that what we have in Christ is not one-dimensional. Yes, he saved us, but there's all these other attributes that come with them. And if you were here last week as we kicked it off in classic Christmas, we were in the book of John and we talked about that, that God came down to earth as a babe born in a manger. We talked about the, the incarnation that God clothed himself with our humanity. Why? Because God gets us. Anytime that you and I enter the presence of the Lord with requests or repentance or whatever it is, we never catch God off guard. Aren't you thankful with that? You have never caused God to scratch his head. That's, that's good preaching right there. Because <laughs> some of us have worked really hard at that. Can I have an Amen. You have never caught God off guard. And what does Christmas represent? Last week we talked about it. Oh, he clothed himself with our humanity. That's why the writer of Hebrews says this, we do not have, we do not have a high priest who cannot identify with our weakness. He understands. He was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. I'm reminded... At Christmas time of eventful Christmases. You ever had an eventful Christmas? Uh, Jen and I, when we had our first child, Wyatt, I can remember traveling for the first time. When you have a kid, they just mess everything up. Can I have an amen on that? In a good way. My son's over here writing in his journal, dear diary. <laughs> no, but what, what, I, what I'm getting at is this. What I'm getting at is this, is used to, we could just hop in the car and go. But when you have a child, especially your first child, now your second child, apparently you don't take care of quite as well. But there's Avery. Man, both of you are in the same service today. Dad is in trouble. Okay. <laughs> But when Wyatt was born, it's like we had to take everything, right? Bag upon bag. I'm like, why do we need this? We're not going to need this, but we might. And there was this contraption we used to take called a pack and play. Some of you know what I'm talking about, don't you? It was like a, 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 a sleeping pin. Can you call a pin and really a baby barricade cage baby i don't know what it was but they could play in it they could sleep in it all the all the different things and it was like easy assembly lie and it weighed as much as our car man i would pull the thing out of the back of it man the vehicle like blowing o-ring lifting that thing out of there and i'm putting this thing together it would never go it never goes according 
you see, you see this, when I do this, I've been traumatized. So you guys get this. Thing would never go together the way I planned it. <laughs> and it would frustrate me. So much so that I would have to answer my own altar call that next Sunday. Anybody dealing with anger issues and disunity in your home? <laughs> Just as I am with I'm coming to the altar because I, Jen's looking at me like I heard some of the things you uttered when you're putting together the pack and play. Why? Because travel got difficult and inconvenient so much so we would get there and it'd be wound so tight that I'm like, we could have just stayed at home. Travel during the Christmas season can be difficult. I, I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He, he, he said this. He said, an inconvenience is only an adventure wrongly considered. Boy, it was an adventure. In Luke chapter 2, we see a, some travel plans that were not necessarily planned or prepared for. Many of you are familiar with this. And it, 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 Luke, Luke, a Gentile writer. In fact, the reason why I like Luke's account of the birth of Christ is that there are some scholars that believe that Luke actually interviewed Mary to get this account. And if that's the case, then this is probably one of the most uh, detailed accounts of the birth of Christ you can get. And Luke writes it this way, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. I want you to make note of that. That a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Verse 2, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Uh, in your Bible, that might be in italics or in parentheses. And you say, what's the big deal about that? Let me tell you something. Um, uh, that that right there, Quirinius is a major historical figure and points to the accuracy of scripture. Did you catch what I just said? Because some of us can look at that and go, well, what's the big deal about that? That's history proving the Bible. Well, I said amen by myself right there. Verse three, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. That's, that's a big statement right there. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, everybody say that with me, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, she wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. What an interesting scene. The world that Jesus was born into was a world that had been racked with war and disease and destruction, brutality, immorality. History states that Caesar Augustus, or his name previous to this, was Octavian, had come in, had conquered his enemies, and unified the Roman Empire. In fact, if, 
you're a history person here today, this, this season of, uh, of time in Rome was called the Pax Romana, the, the, the peace of Rome. He had brought some semblance of peace to a people who were just in dire need of, of calmness and direction and authority and Octavian or Augustus Caesar, he, he provided that. In essence, he came as a political savior. We live in a world, if you look around, that is in desperate need of something. And like, like so many today, like they were in biblical times, they are, they are looking for a political savior. Doesn't it blow your mind how relevant the Bible is today? Let me remind you here today, there is no such thing as a political savior. Let me say that again. Because if any disunity forms in this church, when it comes time to vote, your pastor is going to say, grow up. Man will never be the answer. The son of man, Jesus, is the answer. Amen? Hey, we're looking for a political savior. What an interesting time. Before we move forward into the message here today, your pastor wants to encourage you with this word. In fact, I really feel the Holy Spirit is really direct as this series is to bring encouragement to the body. Some of you are here today and life has gotten really inconvenient. In fact, some of us here today were facing Thanksgiving and now Christmas. And it wasn't, this year's not going to be like it was last year. So much so that maybe you are even on some level or on all levels, you are dreading facing this Christmas season. In fact, maybe you have just simply made a plan to survive. Things have been thrust upon you that are beyond your control. You are suffering as the result of somebody else's decisions. You are suffering even worse as the result of your decisions. Have you ever had to suffer because of you? Oh, I have. And if that's you here today, be encouraged. If you're taking notes today, the first thing I believe Luke would want us to get out of this is, is uh, and this might seem a little abstract, but, but write this down. God can use a godless person. If you have ever suffered as the result of a, of a, <laughs> a seemingly godless person, maybe it was a boss, maybe it was a professor, a teacher, a coach, Maybe it was a spouse. Do not look to the right or left here today. But you are suffering as a result. If you're like me, I automatically vilify the person I'm suffering as a result of, assuming, well, if I'm mad at them, God must be mad at them as well. While all the time forgetting that in biblical history, God has never had a problem using a godless person. We say it like this, God, I wouldn't be going through this right now if this person were saved. 
I wouldn't be suffering right now if they were an actual follower of Christ. And I want to remind us here today that all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, God has never, never struggled using people who had no relationship with him to benefit his own people. Scripture says it. In those days. I love how the writer of Luke says it, in those days. This isn't once upon a time. In those days, ultimately what Luke, this educated individual who's, who's taking notes, maybe at the feet of Mary, when he says in those days, he was saying, this is history and fact. Caesar Augustus issued a decree. Even secular historical records attest to this very thing that happened. He said that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Caesar Augustus didn't start out as Caesar Augustus. You heard me say it. His name was Octavian before. But when he had accomplished unifying the Roman Empire, he got the Senate to give him the title Augustus, which that phrase means exalted or sacred. Ultimately, that that term had only been used to describe holy objects or holy places. So ultimately, out of nowhere, you have a Caesar who had crowned himself as a godlike figure. You ever had somebody try to play God in your life? They, they, they wield some false authority or maybe some actual authority. Scripture goes on to say that when he issued this decree that everyone should return, uh, the entire Roman world moved. In fact, let me say this. History tells us that Augustus Caesar was the most powerful man in history up until that point in time. And when he simply said, everybody must move, he was flexing his imperial muscle. And maybe that's you here today. There is somebody in your life flexing some type of muscle and you are suffering the consequences. You are now in a place you would never be if you had had the opportunity to make the decision. You are forced to go through something that, that man, if, if, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be going through this right now. Be encouraged. God has never had a problem using a godless person. Maybe that person, you heard me say it, it's a boss. <laughs> it was a police officer this last week. Give our police officers a huge round of applause, by the way. Boy, they got a tough job. Maybe it was a judge. And here's the, here's the problem. We had no choice but to submit and obey. You can act like a victim all you want. You know what I'm talking about? But you still have to endure. This is difficult for a believer. And if you're here today and you're wrestling, and maybe even right now you are having mental arguments with that person, you ever have a mental argument with somebody? I win those arguments all the time, right? <laughs> you ever practice the argument? <laughs> somebody sees you talking to yourself? You're really 
imaginary talking to that person, (laughs) but you're still having to go through it as a result of them. The problem is, as believers, as much as we say we serve the Lord, we still want things our way, don't we? In 1974, Burger King came up with an ad slogan. Have it your way. You can have it your way. Right? The problem is, yeah, you're preaching this morning. Come on. <laughs> Stand right here. Just like, but this ain't Burger King, right? <laughs> it's so true. I want it my way. I want my marriage this way. I want my job this way. I want my finances this way. I want my kids this way. I want when I go Christmas shopping to be this way. And it's not. And when it's not, I struggle. Folks, I want it my way when I drive down the road. Amen. You're driving down the road today and you are stuck in traffic. That's Augustus Caesar right in front of you. Surely. We get frustrated. We get angry. It begins to affect our worship and our walk with the Lord. Amen. We begin to, if, we begin to doubt God on every front when we get inconvenienced, don't we? And we begin to think, Lord, if you were really on the throne, you can't be using that person. They are godless. They think they're God. And then somehow we think, let's keep it real. Somehow we think, because we're suffering at the hands of an Augustus Caesar, some person who's acting like God and flexing on us, that somehow now they have overrided the hand of God on our life. Some of us are here today wrestling with that. Be encouraged. God is never hands off. Can I have an amen? Psalm 139, the psalmist says it this way. He has hemmed me in. Have you heard that psalm before? You have hemmed me in. In the original language, that word uh, has the connotation of protection. You have hemmed me in. You have blocked me in. You have barricaded me in. The, 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 the biblical picture that the psalmist is trying to get across is like, you have, like he's placed you in a rock cleft or cave and then rolled a stone in front of you and you can't go anywhere. The idea is protection. But let's keep it real. There are seasons in my life where I feel hemmed in. I want to go right, but I can't go right. I want to go left and I can't go left. I want to back out of God's plan, but he's hemmed me in. I can't go anywhere. Come on, somebody. This is important. How many of us in this place today would have pushed the eject button on God's plan in our life and he not hemmed us in? But being hemmed in is frustrated. I like movement. I like space. I like momentum. Anybody else? I like to know that I'm going somewhere. And when God doesn't move fast enough, boy, if you're like me, I like to move on my own. But there are seasons God himself has to hem us in. And some of you are here today and you feel hemmed in in a job. You feel hemmed in in a marriage. Come on, somebody. You feel hemmed in in depression. I want to encourage you. God has you where he wants you. 
That doesn't make you feel any better though, does it? You see, they could not ignore the decree. It was inconvenient. It was painful. But there was no getting out of this journey. Paul writes in Romans 13, if you were here during our series in Romans, he he said this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. He's not talking about blind obedience and if they make, if they cause you to sin, keep, it's not what he's talking about. What he was saying there, he said, listen, in fact, the word subject means submit or it means to place under or to assign. You know, I, I feel like there are seasons in our life the Lord assigns us to a leader, a leader that may be Godless, the leader may be acting like God, but God assigns us to him and Paul says, be subject to them. Be subject. Why? Because ultimately, how we respond to authority reflects on Christ himself. How I respond to authority says a lot about my walk with the Lord. Yeah. Did I hear Greg say, ouch? I'm with you, brother. Yeah, I was writing that. In fact, I have ouch written right out to the side. <laughs> you may have been hemmed in today. Joseph and Mary were hemmed in when he issued a decree, simply ignoring it was not an option. They had to move. They were pressed in. If you're hemmed in here today, I, I just want to encourage you. I, I was thinking about this earlier this week. My, my son, when he was born, had, he had to have a surgery. He had an umbilical hernia. And if you know what that is, is, is the little, little intestine would pop out, especially when it was full, go, just pop out. And I would be there poking it in. Jen's like, don't poke on it. <laughs> and I can remember after, after about a year, they say, hey, we're going to go have to go have surgery on this. Uh, we went to, uh, up to OU Medical Center. OU Medical Center. Um, sorry, I had, had a little moment there. Um, and I'll never forget, we get there early in the morning. And you know, they say, hey, get here at 5 a.m. We're going to get them right in. And that's code for you're going to wait six hours with a baby you haven't fed. And it gets real fun then. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But I can remember, I remember when, when we, we came out of the children's waiting room and we went back into the, to the, the OR. Where, and it's funny because the children's waiting area, it's colorful, it's clowns, it's all the fun and the games, the toys, that sort of thing. But you go through those double doors and it is nothing but stainless steel and doctors and nurses and masks. It's no fun anymore. And I can remember why it's just having a good time. And we walked through those doors and he's like, he knew something was, I felt the death grip on me. And so I set him on the table, and they were going to try to give him a little, a little gas to, to, to knock him out. And man, he's a, he's a slippery little guy. <laughs> he was fighting him, getting out. You know, and finally, they said, Dad, we need you to hold him down. And man, I'm telling you, that's tough. Had to pin his arms down. One-year-olds can be strong, y'all. Yo. Pin him down, and they put that little mask on him, and, and he goes to sleep. Now, I'm not telling you that to go, oh, what I'm trying to tell you is there are moments when the Lord has to pin us down. Now, what was going to take place was going to help him. But he didn't know that going into it. If you're here today and you are pinned down by God, 
If you are hemmed in, barricaded in, I want to encourage you. If you are a child of God here today, he has you by the right hand. Isaiah 41, 13. Can I have an amen? And it is for your good. Joseph and Mary were hemmed in. They were pinned down. There was no ignoring this decree. They had to make a move. And listen, if you are suffering as a result of some godless individual in your life, never forget that God has never had a problem using a godless individual. Amen. Give the Lord a big round of applause. The problem is still, though, this, we want it our way, don't we? God has never asked me my opinion. I wish he would. I got a lot of good plans Corey Ten Boom, the Holocaust survivor in her biography uh, entitled The Hiding Place, she said this, I have learned to hold on to things loosely so God will not have to pry them out of my hands. Paul says, 828, and we know that in all things, say all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things. Folks, even the good, the bad, the ugly, God can work. Can I have an amen? I just want to encourage you because it's amazing how the, the intensity of life seems to just crank up this time of year. Let God work. He is never static. Oh, hallelujah. God is always at work for the good, the apostle Paul says. God may not have caused it, but God can use it. Somebody needs to hear that. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, again, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I was talking with somebody yesterday here at our outreach, and we were kind of talking about some challenges and things we're praying for, and they they just simply said this. They said, you know what? I'm just going to add that to my, the thing I'm going through, and I'm going to add it to my list. When I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to God about it. You have a list. Don't act like you don't have a list. Folks, I'm telling you, there are things I'd like to tell you that the longer you live for the Lord, it gets easier, that the longer you live for the Lord, you just want to say, hallelujah, God's in this. But I'm just telling you, um, ask any seasoned saint in this room, and they'll tell you uh, just about the time you think you've arrived, you've not arrived Amen? But God can use it. Lord, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts, my thoughts. Here's the last thing I want you to get. Inconvenient seasons are crucial seasons. They're important. Again, Augustus was flexing his muscle Joseph and Mary had to respond. There was no getting out of this. Listen to this. This trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem is about 80 miles. This was not a short distance. It cost them time and money. And never forget that Mary was great with child. We've seen the movies a lot. How many of you know that movies are not always accurate? We like to think that Mary rode on a donkey. She probably didn't, folks. She probably walked. It's interesting. Luke records no other person there at the birth of Jesus other than Mary. She gave birth to a son. 
wrapped him in clothes, very unglamorous. It was inconvenient. But why is this inconvenient time so important? Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 says this, But you, Bethlehem, the Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins from old, are from old, from ancient times. Micah, God speaks to the prophet Micah 700 years before Luke chapter 2. Are you tracking with me? 700 years God prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem 700 years before Luke chapter 2. There's a lot of life that happens in 700 years. Amen? But why is this important? Because if Jesus would have been born anywhere else, he would not have been the Messiah. Can I have an amen? If Jesus would have been born on the road, if he would have been born in Nazareth, if he would have been born any place else, this would be a lie. He had to be born in Bethlehem. And here's what's beautiful about it. God puts his hand on a godless leader who was doing nothing but flexing his political muscle. Why? So that God was in control and through this decree, he forced, come on somebody, he forced Augustus Caesar to move the parents of Joseph and of Jesus, Joseph and Mary, all the way to Bethlehem so that he could hit the prophetic bullseye. I love what Warren Wearsby says. He says this, Augustus Caesar was ruling, but God was in charge. You may be under the thumb of somebody you wish you weren't. You are here today, and because of a judge, you got some ankle jewelry you wish you didn't have. You were, there was a chuckle, okay. Teen Challenge was in first service. That joke would have gone great. You were here today. You're in a financial situation because of somebody else. You're in a marital situation because of somebody else. Rest assured. God will use that to bring you his best for your life. See, here's the problem, and I'll close with this. When we, when we are being flexed upon by a godless person, when we are in an inconvenient season of life, here's the real problem. We slip into this gear as if God has forgotten about us. You ever been there before? You ever looked up at God and said, hello? And the heavens are brass. Isaiah 49, you see God's people suffering really because of their own mistakes, but as a result of this, they are under the authority of a godless individual and in a place they never thought they would be. And that was their heart's cry. God, you forgot. 
that's you here today, you're in good company. But God responds in such a way that is so beautiful. I'm so glad God doesn't treat me like I would treat me. Because I would have laid hands on me a long time ago. <laughs> Instead, he responds this way to people that just simply, God, you forgot. He says this, can a mother forget the babe at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. God's being um, almost sarcastic. <laughs> have you ever heard the phrase mama bear? Mamas don't forget their babies. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she is born, though she may forget? What You know what God's ultimately saying? As impossible that is, it's even more impossible that I'll forget you. And listen to what he says. He says, see, open your eyes, wake up. He says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Then he goes on to say, your walls, he's speaking of Jerusalem now, have been destroyed. And your walls are ever before me. What I love, if, if, you, if you look at that passage, Jerusalem, the, the, the place of the, the holy city, was absolutely decimated. So not only were these people in captivity and exile and struggling, but their, but their home base was destroyed. He says, God says, I not only, uh, I care about that and I care about you. And some of you are here today and your home has been destroyed. Your emotions have been destroyed. Your, your means, your plans have been destroyed. I want to encourage you here today. God cares about you. But he says this, you have been engraved on the palm of my hands. In the Hebrew, that word has two meanings. One, it means meaningful marks. Meaningful marks. That sounds all well and good, but the second meaning is what I want to get to here today. That, that phrase means to cut in. Think about that. He speaks to a people that had assumed he had gone hands off. He speaks to a people that had assumed that he'd absolutely forgotten. He says, forgotten you. I've cut you in to the palms of my hands. There is no way you'll ever be forgotten. Now, that sounds like real flowery Old Testament language, doesn't it? That, he speaks through the prophet Isaiah. Listen to me. That finds fulfillment in the Gospels when Jesus was nailed to the cross on our behalf. Are you with me here today? And when the nails pierced his hands, you and I were cut in. Thomas said it. I don't, I'm not going to believe it until I see the holes. And when Jesus showed up in the book of John, what does he say to Thomas? He goes, check it out. Huh? You ever wonder when we get to heaven one day, God's going to go, huh? I told you. We're just caught with the tension of already. 
but not yet. I want to encourage you here today. If you're suffering as a result of somebody else, some godless individual, don't ever think that God can't use that to perform His will in your life. Not only to perform His will, but get you where you need to be. Amen? And if you're here today and you're going through an inconvenient time, listen, your pastor's heart goes out to you, but I don't want to remind you that you are not just in an inconvenient season. You're in a while you were there season. The time came. Maybe you're here today and you're getting ready to push the eject button on your faith, on your calling. Be encouraged here today. You have been cut into the palm of his hands. And like Jerusalem, although your life may be in ruins, his eyes are on you. You bow your heads all across this place. I want to pray for you. You're here today. You just simply say, Jamie, cool speech. But you'd be honest and say, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. Maybe you sit there and you've convinced yourself that God would treat you the way you would treat you and you wouldn't take you back. I just want to tell you this. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. His word says that he loved us so much, he gave his only son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sins. That's why I love Micah, where it talks about him being born in Bethlehem. He goes on to say his origins were from old. Jesus Jesus wasn't God's backup plan for your life. He was a plan from the beginning. If you're here today, you'd say, Jamie, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. The Apostle Paul simply says this, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you're here today and you say, Jamie, I'm in sin, I am away from God, then I want to invite you to simply say yes to what Jesus paid for when he died on the cross for you and I. We were cut in on the cross. If that's you, you say, Jamie, that's me. I just need to be forgiven of my sins. I need to leave here today as a child of God. That's you on the count of three. If you're watching online, Pastor Dennis is right there. Let him know you're saying yes there today. He said, Jamie, that's me on the count of three. Would you just raise your hand? Hold it up for just a moment. To Jesus today. I'm leaving here forgiven. Here we go. One, two, three. That's me. Raise a hand up if that's you. All across this place. Thank you. If you're watching online, let, again, let Pastor Dennis know you're saying yes to the Lord. Anybody else in this place? saying yes to Jesus. I'm going to lead you in this prayer here at Woodlake. We just call it the prayer of faith. And I'm asking you, just let me be your pastor for just a few more seconds. And I'm going to ask the entire Woodlake family to pray this with me. But if you're saying yes to the Lord, let me lead you into saying yes to Jesus. Everyone say it. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Come into my life, forgive me, and make me new. From this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray, amen.